Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org and also ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. ABC, always be celebrating. This is Dooley Noted, everything Florida Gators, with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into the latest Dooley Noted podcast. It's the pregame for Florida and LSU. They are going to play football on Saturday, despite the Gators being gigantic underdogs. They're going to show up. Hey, you know what? They're going to get on a plane and a bus, and then the bus takes them to the plane first, and then they get on another bus. So, um... Yeah, they're going to play the game. I mean, LSU seems pretty fired up. I'm sure it's going to be an amazingly loud crowd. I don't see it being any louder than it was here. But I'll get to that point in a minute, um, especially concerning young Kyle Trask. I have some ser- uh, some thoughts on, on that whole situation with the crowd. But first, I did want to thank all the people. Sometimes... When I do this podcast, it becomes kind of a just free association. I'm just throwing things out there. And um, I guess I didn't even remember hardly doing this, but I, I do kind of remember it. I did talk about the podcast and how popular it was and kind of made fun of my writing ability. And I got so many emails from people saying, You're a great writer. Keep it up. You know, do, you, you know, keep working really hard. And um, a, a lot of emails also from my Thursday column, which was in the paper Thursday, as a, as a rule, that's the way it works, uh, complimenting me on that. I appreciate that so much. It's the fuel that keeps me going because I'm nearing the end of my career. Let's face it. I'm, I'm an old man, and I don't know how much longer I can keep doing it. Uh, trips like this are, are exactly the reason I, I kind of want to get out at some point. You know, sitting in, in airports and getting up, getting three hours sleep after a game, being in traffic. But, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm just saying this is my personal feeling of why I want to get out at some point. And I don't know how long it's going to be. But people like that, people who send me those kind of emails, keep me going. They keep me fired up. People who send me negative ones don't. And I think it was Reese Davis on our show said that every negative comment or email or text is seven times more powerful than the positive ones and i and i don't agree with that i know that's a a commonly held belief i don't agree with that the positive ones do so much more good than the negative ones do bad for me but that's me anyway i just want to thank everybody for sending really nice some really nice emails um obviously going to baton rouge been there so many times golly it feels like i've been there a hundred times 
You know, it used to be there were times when we would go and stay in New Orleans. But, it, you know, and this is I think this is what happened in 2012. And I don't know this. I know that that team that went 11 and one um, and went to New Orleans and there was no gate. There were no Gator fans there. I mean, literally, I've never seen at a bowl game, maybe the Sun Bowl in 77, fewer Gator fans at a bowl game. They just were tired of New Orleans. And I see how that happens. We've done it. We actually went on vacation there a few years after that. But that was more for Kelsey and some of the historic stuff. And we just wanted to look at the architecture. And, you know, it was a, it was a cool trip. But I, you go to New Orleans enough, eventually it, it wears on anybody, you know. I mean, it's like Vegas, you know. Some people can go there a million times. I think there are a lot of people that, you know, once you get to the 10th or 11th trip, you're done. So we don't really go to New Orleans anymore on this trip. We always go to Baton Rouge. It's hard to get in there in terms of getting a good flight. We've got a long layover. I know, again, I'm violating one of my rules. Nobody wants to hear about my travel issues. But um, it it, it is just amazing to be going there again. And maybe the last time for me. Who knows? But uh, it's... um, it's a great stadium. It's it's an okay city. I, I like Baton Rouge fine. I don't. I I don't. I'm not overwhelmed by how nice it is. I mean, like to me, I think we talked about this on the earlier podcast. It probably in the top seven or eight out of fourteen cities. Um, but the crowd will be loud. There's no doubt about it. And obviously, to me, and I talked about a little bit about this on the radio the other day. This, like Auburn, was a physical game. Florida came out in a base defense the whole game, didn't blitz, rushed four almost the whole game, sometimes three, and it was more about the physicality of what those guys could do and the physicality in the secondary, and Florida won the physical battle. This, I I feel like, is going to be more mental, that this game is going to be about can you identify the routes? Can you identify what they're trying to run? And obviously, if you're a Florida fan, you hope that these Gators spend a lot of time in the film room because the coach can only teach so much. You know, if you're Todd Grantham, you're going over it with them over and over and over again. But in the end, they've got to kind of do it on their own too. This goes back to what Coach Mullen was talking about with the offensive linemen. If, if what you're doing isn't working, try try something different. Try to do more often or, or you know, do better job. And I, I, um, I think that's the way it is with the secondary, which has been playing awfully well. And that is going to be the key to the game. I think all of us agree, key to the game, the matchup of the game, their receivers who are very good against Florida secondary, which is very good. How do they stand up? They made a freshman look like a freshman last week. This isn't a freshman. Joe Burrow, you know, he's really good. He was He's a really good player, um, and he's got a lot of confidence. But I, got, I, have, I want to talk about that matchup. Also, again, I'm going to get into this Kyle Trask thing that I, I feel is a strong part of this game and the rivalry that is Florida LSU. But first, we have to take a break. We'll do that right here. On the Gator, what wasn't the what? The Gator Sports Network, I was about to say. What is the Gator Sports Network? I don't even know what that is. It's a duly noted podcast at Gatorsports.com. 
Zaxby's famous chicken fingers, wings, and salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. And, um, yeah, I, I, okay, so here's my theory on Kyle Trask and why you maybe should have a little bit of concern about him going into this environment. And you can say, what are you talking about? He's, oh, rah, 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 rah. Harumph, harumph. Now, here's the thing. Kyle Trask has played one game on the road, right? One quarter of one game on the road. It was a very difficult situation. Crowd was very loud. He um, was trailing by 11 points. He did an admirable job, did a great job. But this is going to be different for him because this is his team now and this is an entire football game and it's going to be louder and it's going to be mean and it's going to be venomous. So I don't know that you, you know, it's easy to say, well, Kyle Trask has been through it. Well, he went through it for a quarter. And in that game, he had nothing to lose. If he comes in and doesn't do well, Florida loses the game, yeah. But nobody's blaming Kyle Trask. Everybody's saying, well, that Felipe injury cost us our whole season. We're not going to win the SEC now. So, you know, for Kyle, now he does have a lot to lose. I mean, because he's the starting quarterback and – He's expected to do so much. Now, I will say this, and I wrote about this in the in the back 90 the other day. What I see is a kid who is pretty unflappable um, so far. That's what we've seen. But I got a feeling that that's not proper grammar, is it? I have a feeling. I don't got a feeling. I got a feeling. No, I have a feeling that LSU might throw a lot at him, throw a lot of – not only um, different coverages and, and disguise coverages, but a lot of blitzes at him. If I am LSU, I might be saying this. Dave Aranda, very good coordinator, right? They have not been great on defense, as we know, so far. A little bit of it is. And we'll talk to – we're going to have Scott, Scott Rattley on a little bit to talk to him about it. But I think a little bit of it is that their offense is so high-powered now – they're off the field quicker. They're getting having to play more plays. Um, maybe that's a little bit of it. I think a little bit of it is they've been missing a lot of guys through injury. So we'll get the, the lowdown from Scott in a minute. But um, there is no question that for Florida to win this game, the secondary is going to have to play big, and Trask is going to have to like you don't want it, you don't want to have this you don't want this to be a shootout, right? In a perfect world, this is not a shootout. This is not forty two forty. If it's 42-40, you hope you have 42, obviously. But I think what Florida's going to try to do is win this game 28-24, something along those lines, which is a familiar score in that game. The key, as we, we, we and again, this is kind of like last week, where we could have sat here and told you about 900 keys to the game. 
It's not that much different. It's the same thing. There are so many different keys. But, the, you know, I talk about the secondary versus their receivers, but the key, one of the big keys to me, too, is stop turning the ball over. Florida's got 13 turnovers, 11 from their, from their quarterbacks. And obviously Kyle had the three fumbles in the last game. The internal clock's got to get better. They can't keep turning it over. You're going to get burned by that eventually. And I know they turned it over four times against Miami, won the game. Four times against uh, Auburn, won the game. Eventually, it catches up to you. So try, if they can clean that up, quit turning the ball over. Quit making those kind of mistakes. I think that's going to be huge. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about the loser of this game being eliminated from the college football playoff. Shoot, the way the national media has treated the mighty Gators this year, they may eliminate Florida if they win. But definitely, the loser is going to be looked at differently, and this is what we talked about last week. But that's it. That's what happens. You're playing this schedule that we talked about. The, the um, I think I saw on, on ESPN, the four-game stretch Florida is in the middle of right now is the toughest four-game stretch any team in the country will have based on FPI or whatever. But obviously you go to South Carolina next week and then the game against Georgia. But you're playing number five today. You just beat number seven. Now you got to play number five. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty tough two-game stretch right there. Back-to-back Tigers. So I don't know if the loser is necessarily eliminated, but with what both teams have left on their schedule, it's going to feel a little bit like it. Now, it certainly does not eliminate either one of those teams from going to the to Atlanta for the for the uh, SEC championship. But again, LSU still got on their schedule Auburn, Alabama. Oh, don't say the words Alabama. I, you know, I'm you, you get a little nervous when you're around LSU fans. That many of them especially. But maybe I'll wear an Alabama Crimson Tide shirt in there. How would that go over? Not well? No? I think I'm just going to stick with my Boise State t-shirt. But they have they have no nothing to say to Alabama fans. They've scored 10 points in the last three years against them. You're, you're better. You are the mountaintop. And th- that's the thing about these two teams, these two programs. They're both trying to climb that mountain. And they don't mind shoving the guy off next to him. See ya. Woo! They don't mind, but but they're all they're both trying to climb up that mountain, and neither one is there yet. You know, everybody wants to talk about Florida being overrated. Even now, even still, everybody's going to pick LSU. Look, I picked LSU, and you can yell at me and scream at me and say. I, I think LSU will win that game at home. That's why they're big favorites. They're really good. I won't be shocked at all if Florida wins the game. I think, you know, anything can happen. You get some early turnovers and get ahead, like we talked about. Play from ahead is the key for Florida, like they did against Auburn. But we'll see what happens. Um, I won't be stunned at all. I'll be pleasantly surprised. But... These are two teams that, that the winner of this game is going to say, okay, I'm putting my uh, flag in the ground here, and I, I feel like I, I can compete 
with anybody now. But the truth is, Florida will still have to beat Georgia. And I'm and look, I don't think Georgia's better than LSU. I don't think necessarily Georgia's better than Auburn. They're all b- about the same, but the magnitude of that game will be tremendous, as we know. And you never know how a game like that turns out. But Florida's still going to have to do that. They're going to also have to go on the road and play South Carolina. And I know you're laughing. Will Muschamp, yeah. But they're good enough to beat Florida. I always talk about that. Are they good enough to win the game? Like Towson was not good enough. Tennessee was not good enough. I I think I said at the time they might be, but we all know better now. So, um, yeah, so it's you're still going to have to beat Georgia and, and LSU's still going to have to beat Alabama and they're going to have to beat Auburn. I'll be, I tell you what, I, I would uh, – and I talked about this last week and I used this in my column because I, I felt like it was I was kind of on to something. I used it in my column for the picks column about how I think we're about to hit, see a great second half of the season – that LSU-Auburn game, I am fascinated by. I don't even know what date it is, when it is. I can't wait to see that game. That defensive pass rush and that those as good as they are in that front four against LSU, throwing the ball over the place, it's going to be like the old days of the Florida, when Florida used to go in there. Of course, Florida went in there under Coach Spurrier, scored a lot of points. I'm not going to say they um, dominated them, but they won 11 out of 12 under Coach Spurrier. And he scored 400 points in those 11 wins. Just thought I'd bring that up. Which brings me to the rivalry part of this. And I wrote about this for Saturday's paper. And I know I've got people who do email me and say, in addition to me breathing too hard, say, hey, Pat, why are you always referring to your columns? We read your columns. We, don't, we know what you wrote. Okay. But I just don't want to say, this is a new thought I've had. No, this is a thought I've had and I used in my column. And I wrote about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm off. I'm off the rails right now, but let, bear with me. But I wrote about the rivalry and why it's so intense. Now it is. We all know why it has gotten more intense. But the point I make in the column is the biggest reason the LSU is upset and they they're mad at the Gators. Gators celebrated last year. Their biggest reason they're mad is they've lost. They lost the last game against. Florida. They lost the last game in Baton Rouge. Sorry. So that's why they're angry. Now, all this hurricane stuff that happened, I don't even know if it resonates anymore. It was it was a dark time in journalism for me. I, I there were just stuff going on that were were out of control, just ridiculous. And it was not not it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun to to try to try to talk sense into people at times. At any rate, this is this is a great rivalry. I don't know how big of a rivalry it was, but I do know this. Now the Spurrier domination kind of killed the rivalry for a while, but during uh, you know after Spurrier left for right up until Urban left. This became a great rivalry. Both teams winning. LSU won two national titles. Florida beat them one of the years they won a national title. In Baton Rouge, they still won the national title. Florida should have beat them the other year. They did. 
And then there were so many other great games. I mean, obviously, the 06, the Tebow jump pass, and, you know, it was just – it was really a cool – you know, the 2009 game, right, where Tebow is concussed and comes back and plays in the game. Florida wasn't overwhelming. They won nine – I think, what was it, 10-3? to three? And Tebow later said, yeah, I was still concussed, but I talked my way out of it. I mean, there were just there had just been some great the rivalry in the in that decade was so meaningful because the games were so meaningful. And look, let in the end, that's what a rivalry that's when a rivalry is at its best. Is when the teams are good. You know when a rivalry's not any good? <laughs> when one team's way better than the other. So during the nineties, it wasn't a great rivalry. Now they won one game and tore down the goalposts. Nearly hitting me in the head. Never forget that. I thought I was going to die that night. Um, and I don't think they tear down the goalposts when they beat a team they're 14 point favorites over, actually 13 and a half. I don't think goalposts should ever come down, but that's that's the old man in me, the old fuddy duddy in me. Anyway, it's, it's interesting that the line hasn't budged. It it stayed right there. So I think I thought it was set really high at 14. To uh, to get the wise guys to put money on Florida, but they aren't doing it because it's only gone to thirteen and a half, which is a, barely a a budge there. Um, that um, it's interesting, and I think it is because again the lack of faith in Florida offensively. So we'll see. Death Valley is going to be loud. It's not going to be louder than it was last week. But last week, everybody was cheering for you. Now they're all cheering against you. It's a tough place to play. It's not the toughest place to play. I think Florida, when it's like it was Saturday, I think Alabama's tougher. I think LSU's right there. LSU, the seats don't go – like at the swamp, the seats kind of go straight up. At LSU, they're, they're – it's kind of like Michigan in a way. They do kind of fl- – go back a little bit but it's a tough place to play because people are angry they show up to that game angry they're mean did I I tell the Jesse Palmer story here I'll tell it real quick Jesse Palmer's warming up 2007 I mean I'm sorry 1997 he's warming up because Doug Johnson's having problems and Spurrier tells him to warm up he's still went over the sideline a girl a woman older woman starts yelling for him to uh she wants to talk to him, and he's, he's trying to warm up. I'm getting ready to go in the game. Jesse, Jesse Palmer, Jesse Palmer, throwing, throwing. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Palmer. He finally says, you know, that might be a friend of my mom's, so maybe I should go by. So as he gets done, he walks over and goes, hey, how you doing? She goes, F you, Jesse Palmer. Jeff Cardozo told me a story that literally was almost exactly the same about something else that happened several years later. And I'm wondering if it's the same woman. Maybe she's just mean. Maybe she's the one that's mean. They're ornery. I don't know what it is, but they're ornery. So Florida is going to be walking into a buzzsaw. But you know what? Score early. Get some good things to happen early. Take the crowd out. You don't take them out completely, but take lower their decibel level. Everything changes. Right? 
All right, let's talk to Scott Rabelais from the Baton Rouge Advocate, good friend of mine. We'll do that after we take this break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits in Florida is family-owned since 1936 and longtime Gator supporters. Did you know Touchdown Terrace was named after the founder, Jack Holloway? There are 122 ABC locations throughout Florida. Shop online at abcfws.com and pick up in-store on the way to your tailgate or game day party. ABC has walk-in coors for beer and amazing deals every day on wine and spirits. Save $10 on every $100 on wine. ABC Wickers, proud Gator supporters. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It is a great pleasure to be joined by my guest, Scott Rabelais from The Advocate out in Baton Rouge. And uh, here's the first question I have for you, Scotty. We've known each other a long time. I know that Mama said that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. I'm trying to figure out why LSU players are so ornery about this Florida game. Is it because of last year's game? Or why do you think they're so mad? Um, yeah, they're, I think they're mad at themselves a little bit for, for losing a game that they thought they should have won. I mean, of course, there's a game that could have gone either way. And, uh, the, you know, they, there's been some, some allegations of some chippiness towards the Florida fans and the Florida players and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big he said, she said kind of situation, of course. But, but, uh, you know, I think they're looking for a little, a little edge in, in this game, uh, uh, but uh, I think uh, I think they got some. I think they have some edges in this game. Quite frankly, playing at home, playing at night, uh, sold out Tiger Stadium. It's uh, it's, it's going to be epic. Yeah, no, I think it is too. And uh, we all know it's a different animal at night, which is why Florida was smart to get them to have to play that game. And during the day, when we had the hurricane postponement uh, as a condition of it, um, but uh, at night it's a it's, it's louder. They're a little more lubed up, right? You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. But uh, the obvious advantage they have is that their passing game has evolved into the, this century and has been very impressive. I mean, what what are they doing that is so different uh, offensively uh, this year? Well, it's a it's a pass first concept. Uh, you know, uh, you know, no huddle, spread it out. You know, just uh, just a. A 180 from what LSU people think of LSU's offenses, especially in the Les Miles era. You know, if I can go back a little bit to 2016, when Ed Orgeron was the interim uh, interim coach after Les Miles was fired and trying to become the head coach, he tried to sell the LSU administration on the idea of bringing in Lane Kiffin as offensive coordinator. And I think Lane may have come. You know, they coached together at USC, and I think he may, and uh, maybe at Tennessee as well. Uh, I think he might have come uh, had he not gotten the head coaching job at FAU. So he hires. Uh, Matt Canada from Pittsburgh, uh, University of Pittsburgh, who was a hot, uh, hot name at the time. And, uh, you know, he has a shifty, you know, misdirection kind of offense. And I don't think Ed found that he really liked it uh, once he was you know, in the middle of it. And they, I don't think they got liked each other. So he kept looking, and they finally bring in uh, Joe Brady, uh, this young guy uh, who was with the Saints for the last couple of years, brings in some of their passing concepts and, and brings in uh, uh, learned the RPO uh, game from under Joe Moorhead, uh, the mistake coach, when he was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. So, uh, and then you have a quarterback in Joe Burrow, a fifth-year guy, um, the, you know, very experienced, transfer from Ohio State. Uh, last year, 
you know, really kind of felt his way through the first two thirds of the season, uh, but became better down down the stretch and was MVP of the Fiesta Bowl, and it's just just gone nuts, you know, in, in this system. I mean, Pat, I you know, I've, as you said, I've covered LSU for a long time, and you've seen these LSU games every year. It, it's just it's just I look at the stats and I see LSU's leading the nation with fifty four point six points per game. And I just, I never ever thought I would see something like that. It's, it's pretty remarkable, but it's kind of a, it's a kind of a gumbo of all these things. Steve Isbigger is still the offensive coordinator. Joe Brady is brought in a lot of the, the passing game concepts. You have a quarterback who, who can, who can run it, who's good at decision making and, uh, and leadership skills. And you have a head coach in Ed Ogeron, unlike Les Miles, who is willing to embrace the modern way of playing, uh, playing offense. And it's all paid off in, in these, uh, this, uh, offensive bonanza that Delshu's had in the first five games. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, especially to see them on top five games into the season. You might have seen it after two, but after five, it's pretty impressive. And, of course, for Florida fans, they're holding hope that, you know, LSU has not seen a defense like Florida's, and they haven't. They've played some bad defenses. As as I said on my podcast the other day, Vanderbilt apparently gave up defense for Lent. I mean, they're they're awful. They can't stop it, anybody. Yeah, really bad. But I mean, you know, I think that's gonna will be what makes this greatest because is LSU is like the uh, the immovable force and Florida's the unstoppable object or what? Or I guess I got that backwards. But um, th- that is the one thing that I think Florida fans have hope on. But you've seen them play the the defenses they played have not been great, have they? No, definitely not. I mean, the Texas were the best team they played, and and that was a shootout. Obviously, LSU won forty five thirty eight. You know, both teams had over five hundred yards of offense. Uh, you know, two two really good quarterbacks going at it, in Burrow and Sam Ellinger. Um, and so, so no, this will be their 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 best test. Vandy uh, was was not a good defensive team, uh, obviously. Uh, and then the other games were Georgia, Southern, Northwestern State, and Utah. Utah State was. Um, is a better team probably than people will get in credit for. Yeah, their they're not bad. Yeah, uh, Jordan Love is is a projected maybe first round draft pick, and they were averaging over 500 yards a game, and LSU held them to like 159 or something like that. You know, total yards. So, and, and intercepted him three times. So, uh, it's going to be their best test. Uh, but you know, but uh, this is a tough team to defend. LSU, you know, they've been going very hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You know, going with the passing game, passing game against Utah State with a day game and a team that had a potent offense, they decided to go back to the running game somewhat, and it paid some dividends for them. They were able to to run the ball effectively against again an outmanned opponent. I won't say it wasn't, but the LSU um, looking for the yards, rushing 248, which is more of what you're used to seeing from LSU, but still threw it for Burrow. Still threw five touchdown passes and in the game and well over 300 yards. So they kind of probably go for more of that uh, kind of balance against Florida. Um, that, uh, the, thing that, the thing that makes them difficult to defend is Joe's ability to read progression. So, you know, I, I think it's probably something Florida was probably able to, to confuse Bo Nix last week. Uh, sure. I'm sure, you know, he, you know, there's, you know, there's some, some, some poor passes. And, and Joe will throw an interception or two as well. He's got three picks so far this season. But, you know, he, he has, he has been very adept at, Number one, number one receiver is covered. I'm checking to two. Two's covered. I'm checking to three. And eventually, you know, when you put five guys in the pattern, there's a good chance if you have time that you're going to get somebody open. So, uh, the big question here, I think, for for fans and, and media is: Is Florida going to try to bring a lot of pressure? Are they going to drop a lot of guys in coverage? Because you know, leaving, it seems like the mo with LSU this year is leaving you know, pressuring. If you don't get to them, you're leaving somebody open that they're going to find. Yeah. On the other side, I mean. I- do you think that their defensive numbers that are down a little bit, not maybe not as good as we 
usually see from LSU? Or is that because they're having to be on the field so much because the offense is getting a lot of quick scores? Or do you think it's because of the injuries they've had? And, of course, they're getting a lot of guys back. Yeah, it's a combination of those things. They missed some key players. Uh, you, you've had several key starters who have missed two or, two or three starts. And they're getting a lot of those guys back. I think I, I read where Florida's defense you know, got some, was getting some guys back last week, and, and I think that's LSU's case this week. Richard Lawrence, uh, defensive uh, uh, tackle, who was the uh, defensive MVP of the Fiesta Bowl against UCF, he should be back, at least in the, you know, playing some snaps. Michael Devenity, a linebacker, is probably the brush rushing linebacker, is back. Caleb on Chesson appears to be healthy. So they're, they're um, coming to health, as, as Les Miles would have said in his inevitable style. <laughs> uh, so, but, no, it, it, it's, but the defense, is, you know, they, they've been stressed by this offense. I mean, I wrote this before the season. I said, you know, LSU fans, you know, you know, you think of LSU football, you think of, you know, some great offensive players like Billy Cannon and Kevin Falk and uh, – yeah, you know, uh, maybe a quarterback. You think of Tommy Hodson, you know, who, who you know threw for a lot of yards back in the day. Sure. But uh, LSU fans take pride most in their defense, the Chinese Bandits from the 1958 team, and uh, you know, players like Tommy Casanova and Glenn Dorsey uh, and uh, you know uh, the Honey Badger, you know Tyron Matthew, you know the, the whole DBU thing. I don't want to get started on that. On that but um, I'm ready to <laughs> put all that aside. But um, you know, and I said they're not going to be. They're not going to be really happy with 50 to 40 you know and you've had a couple of games like that the Vanderbilt game a little bit of a little bit of a you know not quite what you saw yeah they, they scored they a lot two, late two touchdowns yeah. yeah they had a fumble that Vandy recovered a scoop and score and then a pick six so they gave up 24 points on, on defense but the Texas game was just a you know just a just a shootout in the second half but uh, uh, they certainly played their best game best most sound tackling game against Utah State as well, and so I think they're hoping to parlay that into another a good effort again Saturday. Last question, Scott, um, and we really appreciate your time. Um, Florida won last week's game because they won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. Do you think it's possible that they can do that again? I mean, how how good do you think LSU is on both lines of scrimmage? Um. Uh, Again, LSU, the situation is improving for their offensive line. They got Ed Ingram back. He was a player suspended all of last year in the first few games this year of some some sexual assault charges that were dropped, and so he was reinstated uh, on the team. Um, and then the defensive line has, has – if there's a weak spot, it's the defensive line. They, they've got to get pressure better with their, with their three, four, five down linemen than, than they have. And I think it's contributed to, to a, a higher – Third down conversion rate for LSU's opponents than they would than they, they would like to see. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's a that that could be a concern. You know, there is that the LSU needs to win the win the trenches trenches turnover battle. I mean, you know, you know Florida obviously they, they turn the ball over a lot. They cause even more turnovers. LSU's got a, LSU had a propensity for turning the ball over in their own end of the field this year, and it hasn't. Sometimes it hadn't bitten them too too badly, but uh, in, in this game, you expect Florida is the most opportunistic team <laughs> will have played, and that's a concern. But yeah, I, I think it is a big concern is that the skill positions, LSU probably feels like on balance they they they're the better team, but and, and the line, you know, Florida's Florida's been impressive. He is Scott Rabelais. He is one of the best in the business, and I look forward to seeing him out there in Baton Rouge on Saturday. We'll take a break, come back more with the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com.
Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate Scott Rabelais for coming on. Always a pleasure to talk to him. He's a solid journalist. Not everybody was a solid journalist three years ago, but I'm not going to get into that whole thing. It's funny, while he and I were chatting here on the podcast, the HBC called me back for something I'm doing. So if I stop for a second, I may, <laughs> maybe I should put his call on the air. People would probably rather hear from him than me. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the other college football. And I was thinking about this today. Um, hey, Georgia, while I know a lot of Florida fans are going to watch that game, I think it's a noon game, right? Watch that game and root for South Carolina to win because they want to see you lose. If you're going to go ahead and win the game, go ahead and beat up on South Carolina a little bit. Make them uh, feel the pain and uh, make it a little bit easier for Florida next week. I don't see South Carolina win the game. First of all, I think Georgia is almost bored right now. They're waiting for the Florida game. They're waiting for the Auburn game at the end of the year. They're waiting for the SEC championship game. They haven't always looked impressive this year, but they keep winning. And I, I, I think that I, I see this happen all the time, where a team with high expectations, they kind of get bored with the regular season, and they can come up and bite you and right in the behind and almost a bit Clemson. We already saw that. Um, but it'll be um, that'll be a great game. Of course, Oklahoma, Texas. I'm looking forward to. There's so many good games this weekend. I mean, this is what college football is supposed to be like. On Saturday, we even have a nice Friday game. I mean, it's not a huge game, but Virginia-Miami, hopefully we land and get to our hotel in time to watch a good part of that. I'm looking forward to that game. Um, you know, uh, that's the thing. College football, every it needs somebody to do the scheduling for it. Now, a little bit of it is the two bye weeks this year, open weeks, whatever you call them, idle weeks. And I think that's caused us to have some bad weeks. But as I said last week, I think we're heading for a great, great finish to this season. It may not be great for your team that you root for, whether it's Florida or somebody else, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be great for college football. I think it will be. Um, Let's look at a couple of – by the way, there are so many good games, and it starts early. Noon, I mean, it's right out of the chutes, Oklahoma, Texas, and – there's um, and if you live in a, I know we got a lot of listeners to the podcast that live in Central Time Zones and Western Time Zones, and you're gonna have to get up early, but pace yourself, okay? It is a long, long day until the Gators finally play their football game, and I know you'll be watching that. Let's take a look a little bit at the spreads. We always do that here on the show. I actually list the spreads in the paper in my picks columns. Uh, Friday I didn't pick against them though because I, I just don't feel like in a college town you should be doing that now if when gambling becomes legal here maybe I will but right now I just don't feel like it's it's a good good thing to do and we talk we can talk about it and I can give you my lock of the week which I have but um yeah, picking against the spread. I don't know why. Maybe it's time for me to evolve and start doing that. I'll have to talk with my boss about that. All right, Miami, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Actually was one, so the money is coming in on Miami in that game against Virginia Friday night. 
Virginia really hung in there. That was my big upset pick last week. Virginia hung in there with Notre Dame. I guess that was two weeks ago. But um, I, I don't know how good Virginia is. And Miami is so hard to figure out. Like, if you were going to bet on that game or pick that game, let alone bet on it. Do you are are you, are you going to see the Miami team that went down twenty eight nothing to a Virginia Tech team that's totally a train wreck, or the team that came back and should have taken a lead except they missed an extra point, doinked it, doink, and then gave up a touchdown after they had they had shut out Virginia Tech in the second half, shut them down completely, gave up a touchdown drive. I just don't. I I, I feel like. It's almost like Miami is a typical first-year coach at work. First-time head coach at work. And that he's got good players. He kind of knows what to do with them, but he doesn't know completely what to do with them. Still undisciplined. Still make a lot of mistakes. I would not get anywhere near this game. Oklahoma is 11-point favorite over Texas. The over-under, which I know is going to be – a lot of people are going to be excited about betting. It's 76, which is obviously very high. But the and, – and look, I've already – I'm already excited. I'm The key is getting to Baton Rouge. Once I'm there, everything's going to be fine. You get there, get to – we have a very nice hotel. In fact, I just got a call from the hotel because they've overbooked. And I was afraid they were telling me my room was canceled. But they wanted to confirm my room. And I'm excited about that. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to Saturday getting up, you know, getting a workout in, getting some chicken or something, you know, something, a couple of Diet Cokes and sitting there and watching this Oklahoma, Texas game, Ellinger versus Hertz. And it's almost now, look, I'm, I'm the guy who doesn't like September Heisman favorites, but I tell you what, Jalen Hertz has a big day. And they score a lot of points, which they probably will because that defense isn't very good. And we may start penciling them in. Now, I won't because I wait till the end of the season, but there will be people who do pencil them in. And it's also going to be interesting to watch Texas because of, obviously they had a shootout with LSU. And I think for – now, you know my philosophy, every game is its own game, but it still will be interesting to watch that Texas defense and see how it – how it holds up and what how good it is. I think I know I like I wouldn't touch this game either. Uh, Missouri is a twelve point favorite over Ole Miss at home. That game was an eight and a half point spread, and all the money's coming in on Missouri, even though one of their best defensive players out, but Kelly Bryant got cleared. Tell you what, that Missouri game is going to be rough for the Gators when they go up there, and it, you hope it's it's meaningful. You know, the game is meaningful. Mississippi State, seven-point favorite at Tennessee. I don't think Mississippi State's any good, okay? I really don't. I know they lost a lot, and, you know, they've had quarterback injury issues. I just don't think they're very good, and yet they're a touchdown favorite over Tennessee. And here's the thing. Do you get the Tennessee that played in the first half and had Georgia on its heels or the Tennessee that played the second half and got blown out? I mentioned this in um, – God, where did I mention it? It, it? it begins to be a blur. I think I mentioned it in my picks column that I was listening to McElroy and Cannell, 
and I'm sorry that I listened to Cannell. I wish they would take him off of there because I can't stand him, but I like McElroy. And they were talking, they were agreeing how Tennessee really showed something in a 29-point loss. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the state of Tennessee football. As I mentioned the other day, we've gone away from the Kardashian nickname. It's now Uncle Rico trying to relive the past. Um, Kentucky, seven-point favorite over Arkansas. Uh, hey, Wildcats, this is if you don't win this game, you, you, might, you may not be going bowling. I mean, it's still the schedule still sets up for you to get to a bowl game. You got to beat Arkansas. Uh, Notre Dame ten and a half over Southern Cal. I don't like. I, I Notre Dame is better. Th- Notre Dame is way better than I thought they were going to be this year. But they're not good enough to get in the playoffs, so they're kind of perfect. Like they'll knock off teams, but they're not going to a playoff. I don't think they have much of a chance because of their schedule. And if Southern Cal loses this game, this could be the next step towards now I'm still like I've gone from I think Urban's going to be this next Southern Cal coach too I'm not sure he is I think he want might want the job I'm not sure that they want him and all the drama that comes with him but with the talent they have and with Urban Meyer who knows what he's doing as a coach we'll see and then um, here's my lock. And, and uh, I, I, I even th- toyed with the idea of picking Florida State to beat Clemson. I think Florida State's shown something the last couple of games. Defense has gotten better. Jim Levitt there. I really toyed with it. And I said, you know, then I listened to a couple of guys who really know uh, the ACC a little bit better, and they were kind of explaining what, what is – not been going right with Clemson but as we know Clemson hasn't looked overwhelming FSU seems to be improving it seems like the perfect storm for a huge upset but just the fact that it's 27 points tells you that ain't happening now FSU and 27 points first of all I want to know if they've ever been that big of an underdog I mean, when Lee Corsa was coaching there, they might not have been as big an underdog. I'd jump all over that. But again, I'm not encouraging you to bet. All right, let's go to three things. It's time for three things. Number one, baseball is dead to me. I, I shan't be watching any more of it. Uh, what happened with the Braves on Wednesday was uh, brutal, uh, painful. It hurt, giving up 10 runs in the first inning. I didn't even watch the rest of the game. I knew they weren't coming back from that. I actually watched Saturday Night Live. We had taped it last night instead of watching the Braves in a game five of a five-game series. If you had told me that a week ago, I'd have told you you're an idiot. Um, it... it and again, it just goes to show that college football, the season still matters. Major League Baseball, the season doesn't matter. Dodgers are done. Braves are done. Washington's still alive. The Cardinals are still alive. The Braves own the Nationals during the, during the regular season. It just doesn't matter. 
And I always felt that with those old Braves teams that were so good and won the division every year, that they, if the if a if a the World Series was best of twenty seven, I always thought the Braves would have had a bunch of national or a bunch of World Series titles. Because you give them twenty seven games, they're going to win fourteen of them. But when it's best of seven, and eh, they found a way to lose them, very painful loss. And it wasn't. We all know that they lost the game, they lost the series, they lost their season on Monday when they had the bases loaded twice and couldn't get a run in. Uh, could have put that game away. It's a shame. I love that team so much, and it really was hard to put up with. Number two, the Braves are moving, I know, back-to-back Braves items, to re- get rid of the chop. And if you, for those of you who don't know what happened um, – this pitcher, Ryan Halsley, whose grandfather is full-blooded Cherokee, complained about how uh, insensitive it was to have the, the tomahawks chops and everything like that. And I'm just sitting there going, duh. I mean, why did it take this guy to get everybody to realize it so the Braves didn't give out the tomahawk foam to- tomahawk and didn't play they, – their plan was we won't play – the song when uh, he's up, but now they're moving even further. They're talking about maybe trying to phase it out. Thank goodness. You know how hard it is to be a Braves fan when they're doing that tomahawk chop? It is not pleasant. In fact, I've had to watch games with the sound off just so I wouldn't hear it. If it's if it's wrong, it's wrong. It shouldn't take one guy to make you realize something's wrong. Hello, Redskins. Hello, you there? Just curious. Take a clue. All right, and number three, the race is on. And a lot of people think the race I'm talking about, talking NFL, is for the Super Bowl? No. Oh, is it for the number one pick? Yeah, kind of, but not really. We have four teams with no wins. I want to see if anybody goes winless this year. And the most likely candidates are the Jets and the Finns. Now, Sam Darnold's back, which would mean that the Finns are probably the most likely candidate. There's also this race. Who will score the least amount of points this year? Right now, the Miami Dolphins with 26 in the clubhouse, the leader, 39 for the Jets. Now, the Bengals in Washington, who also are winless, have scored more points, but they play one more game. I go back to what I, I, I said on this show or in this podcast a while back. It's amazing to me. There's only 32 teams, a, an enormous talent pool. Enormous, right? You, you get a player injury, you can go get another one. You get, a, you get a guy who's not playing well, you can just cut him and go get another guy. It's amazing how many bad teams there are. How come there are so many bad teams? I don't get it. Mark these days down in your calendar, though. November 3rd and December 8th, which is my daughter Jennifer's birthday. That's when the Jets play the Fins. Be sure you avoid all televised sporting events on those days. All right, that's going to do it for the Duly Noted Podcast. Again, thanks so much to Scott Rabelais for coming on. We'll be back next week, and we'll tell you what we thought of the Florida LSU game. Um, I don't know who I'm going to get to, but I may have Tony B come on, Tony Barnhart come on next week to talk about that game. Whoever's in, somebody in the press box, I'll grab and, and have them come on, a uh, national writer of some kind, to talk about that. And, of course, uh, 
Thursday, we'll talk about the South Carolina game. Until then, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I'm deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's or order at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org and also by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. ABC, always be celebrating. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.